Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for joining with us this morning. Today, Sunday morning, it is uh, the 12th of September, just the day after our 20-year remembrance of 9-11 and the chaotic moments that would follow in regards to the assault, the attack on us as an American people and our nation. This morning, amen, our Sunday morning, we are once again um, recapping, amen, our morning service. And unfortunately, you're going to be listening to this uh, via Spotify podcast, or uh, you may be listening to it via our YouTube channel or YouTube page, Activate Ministries. Uh, unfortunately, because of some of the things that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, some of the topics we're dealing with, um, we do not want to be censored. We do not want to be silent uh, with the topics that are coming up within our church uh, by a social media platform that has uh, the ability, because they own the platform, they monitor and uh, uh, mediate their, their server. If we say something, if we play a song, so forth and so on. Uh, they have all the right to censor that, even though it may be against free speech and the freedom of religion, but it doesn't matter. A small person like me that does not have the resources to go against big tech and all these other things, uh, they still have their way of prevailing in the time being. I look at it spiritually, uh, the Goliaths of this world, the big techs, and the multi-million dollar uh, structures or infrastructures, corporations, so forth and so on. They may think they're getting away with it, but in the end, God will prevail. So this morning, we are in the word of God. This morning, we are going to be coming out. And what happened this morning, amen, we had a powerful time. Of course, we were in dear, uh, somber missing of Sister Penny was not with us this morning in person. We also do want to wish her a very happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday, Sister Penny. Her birthday was yesterday, the 11th of September. And uh, today, I think she's uh, somewhere on a resort or spa, a full day spa, getting, amen, uh, the blessings of that birthday. <laughs> uh, hopefully she is, Lord willing. But the reality is, amen, we missed her this morning, uh, her service, her leadership, her presence. And uh, we uh, took up the slack. We had coffee, donuts, and different things at the church this morning, and just a powerful move of God, uh, so powerful that uh, we had maybe about five or six people in the church this morning, and we did not even leave the cafe. Uh, as I begin to share uh, this morning, and the Holy Spirit moved, and we just had church as I was behind the cafe and serving the people. And I just ministered from there uh, as my pulpit, the Varstu uh, counter as my pulpit, and God just had his way. So I want to share that with you this morning for those that were not able to be here. And uh, unfortunately, like as I said, you know, we look at it as technical difficulty, but sometimes it's not our equipment. Sometimes it's just uh, the enemy using the social media platforms, which we do not own. Uh, to block us and to prevent us from getting the message out. This morning, we're coming to uh, to church, and the Lord begins to speak. He begins to challenge us. And we got on the subjects this morning that would begin to deal with a powerful statement in the Word of God that we had read on Wednesday, and we did not focus on one specific area. And so today we just bled into that area. We begin to talk about, you know, the, the foundation that you and I have uh, as a church and our responsibility, not the requirement, because as we uh, started this series and studying, we are free from the law. That was Wednesday's message. But in that freedom, we can still be free, but still be bound. Let me just say it like this. There are different cultural challenges in our communities, our churches, and our nation. 
And in those cultural difficulties, we can look at the suppression and oppression of uh, formal uh, cultures before us, people before us. We can see even the blatant genocide of certain nationalities or cultures of people. And many times because of that brokenness or that assault or that oppression, even though we may live in what we call a free society, a free democracy, a, a, a free uh, nation, the freedom of religion, and so forth and so on, we can always still be under the bondage of what held us bound at one point or one particular moment in our lives. When we find ourselves in Romans chapter 7 this morning, just to recap it, we begin to start this series that we are free from the law. Romans chapter 7 verse 1 says, and do, not, and, and, and do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law. He's referencing to the scribes and the Pharisees. While the law still fulfills its function of guiding us to know God's moral standards, it begins to uh, lead us into the understanding that we are free from enslavement to it as a way of righteousness. In other words, following the law is not going to make us purely right or righteous. There is something that was given to you and I that gives us that freedom from the law. I simply said this morning, amen, that today when we think about free from the law is at one time in one point under the law, which is just a guide to us to know God's moral standards. In other words, the simplicity, the bullet points of God's bare minimum of moral standards, like God is number one. And that we're number two in the Ten Commandments is what it's referring to, that there's, we won't worship any graven images. And number three, that we don't take the name of the Lord our God in vain. And four, that we take the seventh day and rest, just like God's example should. And hollowed it. He set it aside for holy use. Now the six latter parts of the Ten Commandments deal with our human relationship. Mother, sons and daughters shall honor thy mother and their father. And our days on this earth shall be prolonged. We shall not murder. We shall not commit adultery. We shall not steal. We shall not bear false witness. And we shall not covet what does not belong to us. But actually is the property and the ownership and the responsibility of another man and not wanting exactly what they have and take it as our own. Those were the basic, simple, minimum moral standards and directives that God had for the people of Israel. And it, it applies to us too. But when we think about when Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law or get rid of it or cancel it, but I came to fulfill it in love. What love was this? We said on Wednesday. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That love fulfilled that law. In other words, bringing it to a moral direction, a moral correction, and a moral guide. That now because of that love that he fulfills this law, that Jesus Christ was given to you and I as our savior and redeemer, the lamb, the spotless lamb, the sacrificial lamb, that is God. As the son given to you and I, that the sacrifice, the death, persecution, and the resurrection of Christ Jesus would be fulfilled. The law that God loved you and I, that if we believe in him, we shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And this also includes the remission of our sin. So when you look at this law that we're being freed from, it's not only the law of sin or the wages of sin equals death. We're free from the death of the sin. Because we have now been given the opportunity to know God and to be with God through Jesus Christ. In other words, I begin to, if we just kind of read on real quick through this so that you can, if you didn't have Wednesday service, and I apologize about Wednesday service because it was incorrectly, by my mistake, it was uploaded into my, my, my own YouTube page and it was not 
upload it correctly into the church YouTube page. So I'm looking for it. I'm going, where is this at? And lo and behold, I reached out to YouTube and they said, look at your own page. And there it was. So I finally got it on there. It is on there for Wednesday. Go there, listen to it, and be blessed by that. Then you'll understand even more in today's teaching. He said, for I know, for I speak to those who know the law. We know that he's speaking to those that are the rulers of the church, the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, it goes on to say, amen, that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives. And I'm not going to go into verses 2, 3, 4, and 5 because that's in Wednesday's message. And we talked about this simplicity of the woman and the husband and so forth and so on. And where we are to bear fruit to God. But what we focused on today was in verse 6. But now we have been delivered from the law. Now, not that we are free from the law. As it said, amen, in verse 1, that the law has been... That the law has dominion over man in as long as the man lives. But we see here that we have been free from that law through verses 2, 3, and verses 4 and 5. But it gives us an understanding here when it says in verse 6, Romans chapter 7, but now we have been delivered from the law. What does that delivered mean from? We're not, you know, one day we're attached and then all of a sudden we're severed from that, cut off from that, which would be. Uh, uh, it could even be symbolic as, you know, being cut off without our will, by without our choice. If somebody come and severed that connection and now we're drifting. No, when it talks about delivered means that we have been given the teachings and the exampleship of what the law had done all these years that now is completed in the life, the birth, life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we see that freedom from the law does not mean license to sin, but servitude to God. In the newness of the new covenant, which is now the Christ covenant, the Holy Spirit gives power to obey God, a power the law by itself could never, ever provide. Never, ever provide. See, Paul illustrates our freedom from the law with the analogy of marriage, showing how the death of one partner frees the other from the lifelong obligation. And the subject under discussion in this portion of Scripture is not about divorce. And that's what I mean by severed, cut off. It's not about a broken covenant or a broken relationship. It's not about divorce. It's not about remarriage. But the Christian's relationship to the system called law. Paul is speaking here in general terms without making a de detailed qualification. There's no qualification except for your faith. There's no qualifications of certification, but rather that you accept the, the life, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And these are Paul's statements that should be pressed to exclude the grounds for divorce and remarriage, but the fact that it gives us, amen, the ability to be separated by a system of evaluation of the moral standards of God, the simple minimum moral standards of God. In other words, by requirement, you do the minimum. Let me give you an example. Like, it would be no different. Like, if you go on to a website, you're going to order something, they say, okay, the minimum donation would be $5. And a lot of times, we'll go, that, that, that's all I'm going to give. If we go to the store and they tell us, well, you have to spend a minimum. You ever use your ATM at, at a liquor store or a small, um, uh, a small um, a market? And uh, you have to spend a certain amount of money. So then you start adding things onto uh, the bill so that you can meet that minimum requirement in order to use credit card or ATM, so forth and so on. If you order curbside with Walmart and you're doing curbside pickup, you have to have a minimum order of $35. If you don't meet the minimum $35, and that does not include tax, uh, fees, you know, uh, CRV, no, it has to be 
$35 worth of items pre-tax, pre-merchandise uh, fees. If you do not meet that minimum, then that minimum prevents you from ordering curbside and being able to pick up. So a lot of times I find myself just needing one or two things, but then I have to beef up the order to hit the minimum. And I'll, I'll be so specific that, uh, let me give you an example. My order this weekend was uh, because of that law, because of that process, um, they would, do not allow me to sometimes get certain paper towels or certain trash bags and stuff like that because of everything that's going on. They don't want me hoarding these things. And so they limit them from curbside. In other words, if you want them, you got to come in and you can only get one item because they can't, they can't really restrict you on getting one item on curbside unless it's just out of stock. And so if it's in stock, you can order 5, 10, 15, 20, even water and stuff like that. So anyways, they won't let me buy uh, certain items and they won't let me buy dog food to be delivered. Uh, so I do Walmart delivery. So I made an order, um, had a delivery on Saturday to the church, but I could not buy dog food. So then I had to do a dog food order to pick it up later in the day. In order to do the dog food, the dog food is a 50-pound bag of, uh, of dog food, a pedigree. Um, it's $25. I'm $10 under the minimum. So on my delivery order, as I'm placing these orders, I'm taking things off, like my Axe, uh, for Joshua and I, the Axe uh, deodorant sprayer. That's 8 bucks. I took that off. That's still not $35. So I took that off. I think I put... A can of olives on there and then I put uh, a couple of other items on there as well so I would reach and I got it at $35.15 the bare minimum see the reality is in our faith with God that sometimes when we see a minimum we see that as the minimum that that's all we have to do so as long as you don't take God's name in vain you don't have to call on his name but just don't take it in vain and we look at these these um we look at these areas of the Ten Commandments and they just give us the minimum of God's moral standard. We're free from that systematic way of requirement. Those things that we're required to follow and use as a measuring stick in the Ten Commandments did not get us eternal life. It did not redeem us. It was not redemptive. The only form of redemption and, and, and to be redeemed was that Jesus Christ would die on the cross and then resurrect, defeating death, he would give us the opportunity for eternal life. He would reconcile us or redeem us to a relationship once again with our Heavenly Father. Now, when we think about this, we talk about a lot of the different things that are going on in our society. And I want you just to pay attention to this. Yes, we have... Um, heroes that we recognize and remember and we won't forget for 9-11-2001 they ran into these burning buildings ran into these structures to try to save as many and anybody that they could before the buildings collapsed many of those uh, public servants police officers firemen medical aid so forth and so on some of them perished during that attack. What I don't want to forget is that even though we have those heroes and we remember them, or we will never forget them, is the fact that there is a slew, thousands and thousands, almost, what is it, 6,000 plus individuals that died in those towers that came down. And in that, amen, we have victims. We have victims of the collapse of those twin towers. And so when we, when we look at this, as I'm just, you know, sharing this with you guys as my video backdrop, we had about 2,996 people that died in the Twin Towers. And 
those the the majority of the percentage of those individuals were victims. They weren't uh, they weren't uh, heroes running in to save other people. They were normal people that were going to work and were in those buildings when those towers came down. And when we look at this, we can look at this portion of scripture in verse six. It tells us this in Romans chapter seven, and I'll try to tie this in. I'm repeating this message, so uh, bear with me, because we had a lot of going on at church. It was powerful. God moved, and so I'm trying to uh, hopefully include you into that. I I'll tell you, yes, being in here in person is always the best antidote, but I know some cannot make it, and we don't, we don't frown on you for that. We want to serve you with that. That's why I'm making uh, this YouTube podcast or video cast and on Spotify our podcast. Romans chapter 7, verse 6, the Bible says this now. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. I want to just share that with you because when we think about that, we see many times that we, um, we, we, we sometimes resort to the requirement of the things we're supposed to do. We're required to do this. We're required to do that. Instead of understanding that we've been delivered by that requirement or the law, the law requires you to respond. If you do not respond to a law, then you are a criminal by breaking that law. Are you following me? If you do not follow the law, the law comes with a requirement. And that requirement is observation, observance, and obedience to its requirement. If you do not, you become a criminal, a lawbreaker. So we see, like, let me just put it this way. Some of us may speed down the highway, or some of us may go 65 or 55. Let, let's say trucks and trailers on the highway. You're driving down the highway, and it says trailers or trucks or trucks, trailers or trailers being pulled, maximum speed limit is 55. Some guys will push it to 65 or 70. Now, I want you to understand this. It is the law. If you're pulling a trailer and you're over 55, you'll get cited if you're caught. It's not because they want to dictate or control. It is a safety measure. It's also based on the rating of the trailer tires. They're not passenger tires. So when you're pulling a trailer, these are not passenger rated tires. They are called trailer tires. And it'll say not for uh, not for uh, pedestrian use. And so what that means is you're not supposed to put anybody inside of that trailer or that container that would be human life because they're rated, they're made to not be able to withstand the same mileage and RPMs as a regular passenger uh, uh, rated tire on a vehicle. So that's why they restrict you to going 55. Not only besides that, safety, safely being able to maneuver the trailer with the vehicle pulling the trailer is um, more successful at that reduced mileage per hour. Some will follow it, some will test it, the limits. The requirement. Okay, it's 55, but I don't think I'll get a ticket as long as I'm 5 to 10 miles per hour above it. As long as I'm not 15 or more, 5 or 10 above the speed limit, I should be okay. We're testing the law. We're testing the parameters. And that's what it means that it wasn't about the reference in verses 2, 3, 4, and 5 in regards to a marriage. It didn't coincide or, or concede to a the, uh, approval for a divorce, it just meant that when death comes, it cancels the obligation, the contract. We, because of the fall of man, have been obligated, wedded, and married to the law, the letter of the law. 
But when Jesus came, he said it himself, I came not to abolish it, but to fulfill it in love. And that means that he gave his life for you and I. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And so Jesus' love through God the Father is love for you and I. We are saved by this sacrifice. Many people who ran out of that building who were unscathed or, or saved before the collapse of the towers were saved because of the love or the service of an individual who loved what they did. Police officer, medical, regular people ran it out, firemen, so, so forth and so on. Even co-workers who helped others get out before they could. There's many stories like that. For the love of humanity, for the love of serving, for the love of helping, many survived, but many perished. We're free from the system of this marriage, the contract from it. So when Adam and Eve fell, they instituted a contract of how you and I are to live the rest of our lives with only moral correction and guidance meaning the law of the church, law, Mosaic law, Levitical law, the ecclesiastical law of the church, all these laws and guidance, and uh, like the Ten Commandments that govern us, control us, and dictate us, require us to be observant and followers of that law. Jesus fulfills that in love, meaning no, I'm no longer required, but I'm so in love with God that I love to do what I'm doing. I love to obey, I love to serve. Myself, amen, being a widow, I am free to remarry. I am free to date. I am free to engage in a new found relationship, me as a man, with another woman. Does that mean I'm committing adultery? No, it does not mean I'm free from the law. I'm free from the contract. I'm free from the system of marriage because of death. Are you getting that? Because my wife died, I am free. However, even though I'm free from that, I have no desire to go out and date again and I have no wants or no need to go out and get remarried. So therefore, out of love that was, in my own interpretation, not completed, wasn't ready to say goodbye, wasn't ready to end the marriage, wasn't ready to end the relationship. I am still, because of that love, I'm not required to be faithful to my wife. I'm not required and obligated to be faithful to that system of marriage. But I freely give myself continually because that was the one and only marriage that I had. And I am complete. Will that ever change? I don't know. But as if it goes the way it is today, it will never change because I am complete. What does that mean for us who continue to sin? As the portion of scripture de defines that in verse 1 of chapter 7. That just because we got sin, uh, we're free from sin and forgiven for sin, does that mean that we can continue to live in sin? No. See, some of us have been, well, if we understand this, we have all been given the opportunity for deliverance of sin and deliverance of the law and the, what that law is for the equal of sin, for the wages of sin equals death, as we see that in the portion of scripture that we studied last week in, in chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin equals death that we're free from that death and to be able to live in love to obey God. But some of us still, like me, this is not wrong. It's just my love for God. And so, in other words, I'm no longer bound by the law of marriage as it references in Romans 7, 2, 3, 4, and 5. But I love the marriage that I had, and it's completed me. It still today fulfills me, even though my wife is not here. Some of us have been delivered from the law of sin, meaning the wages of sin equals death, 
And yet we have been delivered or given the opportunity for deliverance to believe in God and to be set free through God, through Jesus Christ. Yet we, being set free from that wage and that law, we still go back and love the sinful nature of who we are and the way we live, even though Jesus died to save us from that way of life. I get saved, I come to church, yet I still go home and sin. I go drink, I go smoke, I go do all these other things. I don't do that, but you know what I'm saying, right? That could be the same as although my marriage is ended, per se, because of the death of my wife, I still love that marriage and I still serve that, that, that system of my wife serving my son, so forth and so on. The faithfulness as a widowed pastor in the church to stay pure and holy. I have a right to go out, but I'm still dedicated to that system. Now, it's not a bad thing, but when you deal with sin and the wages of sin, yeah, we're not going to die because of that because we have been given eternal life. So therefore... We have to wait till judgment to find out what will be the final outcome of the wages of or the outcome of the way that we lived that may have been sinful. We're free to love God. And because Jesus died on the cross, he's given us that freedom. And as I read earlier, that that freedom is associated with power. Amen. Freedom from the law does not mean a license to sin, but to servitude to God, being able to serve God. God, an attitude, a capability, and the newness of the new covenant or the newness of the spirit, he gives us power to obey, a power the law by itself could never give you. Just because you follow the Ten Commandments or any of the church legal uh, law uh, covenants, amen, in the Old Testament, it would not give us the power to be able to obey God. We would many times just do the minimum. When I think about this, you have to look at this, that there were many people that ran into these towers that weren't required to do that. But because of the love of serving and laying one's life down for a friend, John chapter 15, verse 13. No greater love than this, the one who laid down his life for his friend, his neighbor. They ran in to save as many as they could in any that they could. And many of them perished. That day, 20 years ago, yesterday. For you and I today in the faith side of this, we can look back into areas of our lives and I want you to understand that even though there's heroes running in and doing that, in the spiritual aspect of that, that's the fivefold ministry. God created the fivefold ministries, the, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. There's a process. And it's not that we're required to do these things, but that we're free from the law because of someone dying. I'm free from the law of marriage because someone died. We're free from the law of, of uh, moral direction and, and, and guidance that it would not fulfill us into eternity or give us salvation. Jesus fulfilled that in love. And today, because of that love, you and I can be saved. And in that freedom of the newness of spirit, we're free to obey God. I want you to see this, amen, that word where it says, amen, that we are held by, uh, having died to what we were held by so that we would serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the law. That word spirit in the Hebrew is uh, Numa, Strong's 4151, which is compared to pneumonia or pneumatology or pneumatic pneumatic it means breath breeze a current of air wind spirit pneuma is the part of a person so you have to understand it. it's the part of a person capable of responding to god it's the soul of man not the spirit of man the spirit of man is the holy spirit in us but the soul of a man who gets saved and is saved is that part, that breath, that breeze, that, that a current of air, a wind, a spirit, 
Numa is that part of a person capable of responding to God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity who draws us to Christ, convicts us of sin, and enables us to accept Jesus as our personal Savior, which in then ensures us of salvation, enables us to live the victorious life and understand the Bible. Because of the Spirit, we can live a victorious life, a prosperous life, and because of the Holy Spirit, it gives us the ability to understand the Bible. It gives us the ability to pray according to God's will. And most important, it gives us the ability to share Christ with others. To share Christ with others. We are free in the newness of the spirit. Numa. Part of a person capable of responding to God. I want you to look at this with me because when we think about these towers, we think about, amen, the victims. Now, I want to share this really with you, amen, and the reason why I'm sharing this screen is this is the ship that I last served on. This is a John F. Kennedy aircraft carrier. It's a conventional ship. It's a propulsion, uh, boiler-operated. Uh, it's not a nuclear ship. There is, however, this year going into next year, 2022, uh, last year, there was a, uh, not yet, last year, 2019, they started to commission a new nuclear ship, CV-79, I think it is. I'll have to look it up. Uh, but it's the only ship that's going to be renamed uh, after a previous ship. The John F. Kennedy CV-67 um, is the original ship, a conventional uh, vessel or carrier vessel. Uh, and now there's a nuclear vessel which will be renamed or has already been renamed in 2019. We were on our way to Florida. Uh, we were going to Virginia, but the RV broke down and we didn't make the trip, but I was supposed to be there for the, uh, for the, the dedication ceremony for this new ship. Uh, the daughter of President Kennedy, which is ambassador to Ireland, was there. And they renamed the new uh, nuclear ship John F. Kennedy, which is now a CVN uh, carrier vessel nuclear, I believe it's 79 or 76. That will be going and being commissioned. There's a new uh, commander and officer over it already. There's a crew already over it as it is. And it should be coming out, I believe, this December or earlier next year. This ship I served on, my brother and I were on there. This was the last trip that I would make to New York City. Uh, and uh, the last trip that I would make in 1995 to the Twin Towers in our stay for almost three months there in Manhattan, New York. Uh, one week prior, I mean, one month prior, one month there, and one month afterwards preceding uh, Fleet Week in New York. It's a huge event. It happens here in LA. It also happens in San Diego. So if you ever want to be a part of that, look it up. Fleet Week in Long Beach, Fleet Week in San Diego. And it's just, uh, uh, they bring ships in from all over the world. You can tour the ships and so forth and so on. So we're there in Manhattan. Uh, we're there in New York City. And uh, uh, we are able to be there at the Twin Towers serving those. And here's my point. The capability of, that's the part, the newness, the pneuma is the part of a person who is able to respond to God. And I want you to understand this because you and I have been set free from the law for one specific opportunity. The way we are freed is that we believe in Jesus and we get saved. But that is the ultimate blessing that gives us eternal life. But it opens to a place of an opportunity. What opportunity is that? that you and I can respond to God to serve God. I share this with you. Because of the freedom of the law does not mean that we have a license to sin. No. But that we, um, but we have a servitude to God. That we have an ability and a responding capability to serve God. In 1995, when I was there in military uniform, I was so proud of the things that I was accomplishing 
during my military career. It was on this ship, United States ship, John F. Kennedy, that I received a man, which is considered the highest non-commissioned officer medal, uh, the Navy Achievement Medal. Uh, I was pinned on that flight deck uh, by the president, uh, President Clinton. Again, share that story later on for time's sake. Uh, I was proud of my accomplishment. I had made third class petty officer. I was a non-commissioned officer. Uh, I was up for second class petty officer. This was a year before we uh, discharged from the Navy. Uh, my grandfather had just passed away uh, prior to that, uh, this trip. And we made it back on the ship. We sailed into New York City. I have an also have a picture of that. I'll share that later. Uh, but the reality is, is that um, we had just laid to rest my grandfather. And it was through that death of my grandfather as well that allowed me to be free from the requirement to answer the call of God. Now I was free to. There was no requirement. I had the freedom to choose what church I would go to, be a part of, so forth and so on. When I served during this time in this period of 1995, it would be the last time that I would be in New York and around these towers. Shortly after six years later of departing from the military, um, in 1996, it would be five years later after my discharge, uh, we would experience 9-11, uh, 2001. I had just been out six years. Uh, my son was only uh, a month and a half. 9-11 hit. He would have been two months old on September 23rd. Uh, we were celebrating or remembering, amen, uh, September 3rd, 1998, which was three years prior, the passing of our first son, uh, Matthew. Uh, Samantha would be uh, two years old now for a little over a month. And I was home. The first plane hit the first tower. My wife screamed. Um, we lived across the street from the church. We owned a house there. I ran out from the master bedroom into the living room. I plopped myself on the, the, the sofa. And we both witnessed this fire, the building's on fire. And then we witnessed the airplane passing, turning around and hitting the second tower. And when it hit the second tower, it was amazing because we knew something had gone wrong. Now, being a military myself, I knew we were under attack. I want you to understand this because I was so honored and so proud to wear a uniform of the United States military and so proud to honor and obey, obey uniform, uniform military code of justice, uh, the articles of our law for the military. Uh, the MCUJ, you know, the, the, the uniform, the U, the UMs, UCMJ Unified Code of Military Justice was our law. It was like our Bible of what we could and we couldn't do. I was in uniform this was 1995. And uh, it was against regulation to be serving in a post, be able to carry a Bible. Yes, we were uh, chaplains. I wasn't. I was a boiler technician. Uh, also a fireman. That's what I got. Uh, my Navy, that's what I received and was honored and decorated for in my Navy Achievement Medal was for fire control, damage control, and operational systems on the aircraft carrier. Uh, I was proud. So to top those buildings, thousands and thousands of visitors every day, and yet not one time in the honor and glory of serving in the military and in their uniform, a decorated non-commissioned officer uh, with the evacuation of Kuwait medal, a good conduct medal, a Navy achievement medal. Um, not once did I witness to anyone that Jesus loved me. People die, they, they, 
would try to commit suicide off of the Twin Towers. You now there's, you know, bars and glass and everything else, but they also have military police and, and security up there so that nobody gets up there and tries to commit suicide. And so that's what our duty was, you know, um, that's what our obligation was as we were there for fleet week and not once that I ever witnessed to anybody while I was in uniform, let alone carry a Bible, let alone tell anybody that Jesus died for their lives to save them. Nor did I ever tell anyone that Jesus loves them. When that second tower came down and that plane hit, it, it allowed me to understand that I was free from that obligation. When my grandfather passed away in 1995, I realized that I was free to stop running from God. I ran from God from the age of eight. Was saved at eight years old in a Royal Ranger retreat. I was baptized in, in 1978 as a nine-year-old kid. God spoke to me and said, you're going to pastor a flock of my people. I said, no way. It would be until I was now 28 years old. Year in, two, in 95. That 28 years old, in 1997, I would be 30 years old. When I got married to Pastor Claudia. Am I off on my age? Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting. In uh, 1999, I would be 20, 30 years old. So I was uh, 95. I was, oh my gosh, let me do this real quick. 95, uh, I'm sorry, 26, 27, 28, 29. Yeah, 30. 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. So I was, I was 26 years old at this time. It wasn't until I was 28, two years later when I was getting out that I realized, oh my God, God called me. When those towers hit, were hit by an airplane and they came down, my heart sank and I cried bitterly with my wife at my side. And she asked me, was it just that or was it something? Because the cry was different. I was ashamed that I was bound by laws and bound by systems. And I vowed in 2001 that I would never do that again. Not for a job, not for a uniform, not for an organization, not for a name other than no other name but the name of Jesus. And today we've celebrated 20 years later and our church is celebrating today in 2021, 20 years of service. Our church, if you understand this, was only, only 10 days old. We were, our first service was on September 1st. It's now September 11th. We had only been in operation for 11 days as a standalone indigenous new church plant for 11 days. And those towers came down. 20 years later, we've seen this. I, I share this with you today because if you can evaluate what you have been able to do in the freedom of being freed from the law of the Ten Commandments, the requirements, of going to church, requirements of having to read your Bible, the requirements of having to pray, the requirements of doing good, the requirements of serving God and all these other things. What, what has accomplished, what have you accomplished in these last 20 years? I can tell you this much, we're in a society uh, uh, disarray in our nation with the pulling out of our troops in Afghanistan and the way that it's gone down. We've got, you know, we said there isn't stranded Americans. There is stranded Americans. There is allies that have been left there behind. And we're still trying to get those individuals out. We have a government, amen, that is hypocritical in their stance by systems. I want to just share this with you. As I provide, I've been able to start providing these letters of exemption for COVID-19 shots. I want you to understand this. Just think about this alone. In our constitutional fight against the freedom to abortion, 
in the historical uh, case of Roe versus Wade. And we see that the government is telling us that, of course, women should have the right to choose what they do with their body. It's their body, it's their right. Yet on the other hand, the same side of that government who says that women should have that right regardless of the cycle in the weeks of pregnancy, whether the fetus is just a cell, a molecule, or a living organism, or, or a living organism, or a living human being, they should be able to choose whenever they want to have that abortion. It's their body, it's their protected right, it's their freedom. That same side of the government is turning around and telling you and I that we must, and we're mandated to take the COVID vaccine. You don't have a right. We have celebrities like Arnold Schwarzenegger that turns around and says, screw your freedom. You don't have a right. We have a president, commander in chief that sits there and belittles everyone and, and, and even throngs towards the segregation of vaccinated and unvaccinated and says, you have no right to choose. You have no control. You have no protected rights of your body. Roe versus Wade, you have a right. COVID-19, you don't have a right. And I want you to understand that because we are free from the law to live through the newness of the spirit with a servitude, attitude, and capability of pneuma, the newness of spirit to serve and obey God. And so when we think about this, I vowed 20 years ago that I would never allow any organization, any entity, any government entity. I'm an ex-military personnel. Um, I made that transition to civilian life. Uh, and uh, I said that I would not let no form, no branch, and no level of government force me to do anything that, that goes against my belief and faith and my constitutional rights as a citizen of the United States of America. If we're gonna vote and fight that women have a right in any cycle, any trimester, any week, uh, length of week in pregnancy to choose, and you can't hypocritically say that we don't have that same freedom and right and protected right when it comes to putting something into our body. That's all I'm saying. We have to look at this. God set us free from those systems. Now, choose to get the COVID-19. I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm not. I'm not anti. But what I am anti is the enforcement, like no different than that of the church, Pharisees and scribes, that enforced that unto God's people. That these Ten Commandments was the only way to serve God. But God came through when he gave Jesus to you and I to have that capability of obeying and responding to God. I'm asking you today to respond to God. You're free to, not because you're required to come to church, but you're free to come to church. Come on, somebody. You can free just, You can be free to stay home. There are many people that call me and text me and message me and say, oh, sorry, pastor, I've just been so busy. You're free. There's no need to apologize. You're free. You're no longer obligated by a requirement. You're no longer obligated by a law. You've been set free from that. But the fact of the matter is that in that freedom, there is an outcome of that freedom, and that is to serve God. And we're free to, not because we're required to. Pastor's not, I'm not putting that on you as a requirement. But when you do, what a joy it is to be able to respond to God. And we see that. That we see that in the scriptures of Romans chapter 7, verse 6. And in that, amen, we come to that place that, we're no longer having to serve in the oldness of the letter of the law that was once required to you and I. Today, we remember all those victims that perished on those towers. And we will never forget that those men and women that ran into those buildings, both policemen, medical personnel, firemen, and just your regular run-of-the-mill, everyday, ordinary person 
colleague, neighbor, friend who ran into those buildings or put their lives on the line to try to save someone other than themselves. I share this with you today. We still have victims today. We have victims of, of, of well, let me just finish this. Those who went in there to save those individuals, we will never forget you. 9-11-2001 will always be a landmark memorial for the lives that were lost on that day. However, today we fight for that memory of them, both the victims and both the heroes that ran in. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He is that hero of the faith, the savior, the redeemer that the law could not give to you and I because of our freedom of religion. Yet he gave it to us via the cross of Calvary. By the way of the love of the father who created you and I, that we would not perish, but have everlasting life. And in that, let us serve, let us fight, let us respond to God today to uphold and to further the passing on to generations to come that memory that we will never forget and that we'll always remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross of Calvary for you and I. That no more victims, no more domestic violence, no more child abuse, no more abandonment. None of those things, if we do what we've been called to do, we reach one, save one, teach one. And Lord willing, husbands will get saved, be faithful to their wives. Wives will get saved, be faithful to their husband. Read verses 2, 3, 4, and 5 of Romans chapter 7. Listen to Wednesday's message and understand women will not be forced or obligated to serve their husband, to be helpmates to the husband. Husbands, amen, are no longer, you know, given a free reign of dictatorship and authoritarian over their wives or their children. But yet now they are to love their wives as Christ loves the church. Come on, somebody, we're free from the law. And that they are to water the, their wives with the word of God, not speak down to them, not order them, control them, manipulate them, and manhandle them with their words. Come on, somebody, or their children. We're free to respond to God. And so tonight, today, tomorrow, and every day forward, I pray that you understand the freedom that we have, amen, as a nation, 20 years later, amen, from the first attack on that first building on 9-11, amen. It was roughly, what, a little after 5 a.m. in the morning here on California time. And then the second attack on that building, all the other attacks that happened that day. Those people that went in there, the military responded. We've had 20 years of a war, literally six, six years, uh, uh, seven, almost 10 years after we went to war the first time in the first Gulf War in 1990, uh, the evacuation of Kuwait, 1991, uh, the Iraqi war, the first Gulf War, amen, the invasion of, of Iraq in 1991, 2001, 10 years later, they attack us on American soil. We have the freedoms that you and I have today to be free to go to church, pray, sing, worship, serve God, give to God, and, and, and to please God in our faith. We have that freedom to pray, to celebrate, to rejoice. 20 years later, that war on terrorism has come to an end. Today, we are free because of those sacrifices. But let's not forget that all that is done because Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for you and I. God, we pray for the men and women, the fathers, the mothers, the husbands, the wives, the sons, the daughters, the grandchildren that perished. Those 2,996 individuals that perished that day in 19 or 2001. 9-11, <clears throat> the heroes that ran in, the ordinary people that made a difference, saving someone other than themselves. John chapter 15, verse 13. But let us also understand today, 20 years later, God, are we still running a mill of a muck? Still adhering to a legalistic way of the church, requirements to pray and read and all these things. Are we really indulging in the freedom 
that we have because of the death of Christ Jesus. Father, I pray this over our church. We celebrate 20 years this month as we celebrate 20 years as a nation under attack. We responded, God, and the church is still responding today. And so I pray for your people that are part of this ministry and this church body. That Numa, the newness of spirit, Numa, that it will be the part of them as a human being, a created being by God, capable of responding to God. When we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, God, it gives us the capabilities of responding to you, God. We want to respond. But 20 years from now, God, we can look back to this day and say, God, I responded to you and I made a difference. I want to thank you for your mercy and grace, God. We pray for those. We'll never forget. Always remember. And we will always serve because we serve you, God, not out of requirement, not out of a law, but out of freedom. God bless you.